0: Welcome to the Leading in Wyoming podcast. This episode is actually going to be an education briefing that we prepared for the Leadership Wyoming class of 2021 as they head into their Laramie education session. Because we didn't have everyone say their name at the beginning of their interviews, I'll let you know who you'll hear from ahead of time. First up will be Michelle Sullivan, a Leadership Wyoming facilitator. Next, you'll hear from Toria Racinas, the Senior Assistant Attorney General, to speak about the Constitution and also the Supreme Court cases. After that, you'll hear from Bill Landon, who's a senator in the Wyoming legislature and serves on the Joint Education Committee. Next, you'll hear from Dickie Shainer, the chief of staff to the Wyoming Department of Education. Finally, you'll hear from a fourth-grade classroom teacher, Amy Pearson, who teaches fourth grade in Buffalo, Wyoming. With that, Senator Landon and Michelle Sullivan will close out the discussion for the day. Enjoy.
1: Hey, it's Michelle Sullivan. I am one of your facilitators for this next session in Laramie, and I'm really, really looking forward to it. Um, And we wanted to give you a little briefing before you got there. What we're going to try to do in this video is uh, address a couple of things. One, the Wyoming Constitution and why it's important. Uh, Really talk a little bit about equality through the lens of the Washakie and the Campbell decisions, which were very important to the structure of education. Talk a little bit about the basket of goods, uh, local control, and to think about uh, why or why not that is important and then ask a couple of considerations of you.
2: What the Wyoming Constitution says about education in 90 minutes or less, in 90 seconds or less. There are three important articles in the Constitution dealing with education. We'll talk about two of them essentially today. Uh, Article one is the Declaration of Rights and section 23 talks about the right of citizens to the opportunity for education and that that shall have practical recognition. Article seven, um, sections one and nine require the legislature to establish and maintain a complete and uniform system of public instruction. And specifically article nine requires the legislature um, through taxation to create and maintain a thorough and efficient system that is adequate to the proper instruction of all Wyoming youth ages six to 21. And it also requires the legislature to require all children 6 to 18 to attend public schools for a period equal to three years, unless they're educated by some other means. In a nutshell, the state must provide a free and quality education that is uniform and equal in fashion to all students K through 12.
1: It's it's really important to understand that the way Wyoming funds education is very unique in the United States. Most states pay for education through various kinds of taxes, whether they be property taxes, sales taxes, or other use taxes, and that inherently creates inequities across the state. And what we have in the state is an aspiration that starts with the Wyoming Constitution, which has then driven a lot of the structures of how we fund education and think about education in the state.
2: The Wyoming Supreme Court has issued five major decisions regarding education funding. In 1980, they decided the Washakie case. The court found that the state's finance system, which was based primarily on local revenue, was unconstitutional because it treated children in different parts of the state unequally. Supreme Court in this case declared that under the Wyoming Constitution, education was a fundamental right, unlike the United States Supreme Court, which in 1973 had said that education is not a fundamental right under the United States Constitution. So in 1995, they decided another case, the first of four Campbell cases. The legislature had in response to the Washki case changed the funding system. However, the court found that it was inadequate um, and found it unconstitutional because it was not fair, complete, And it did not rely on any sort of study. In response uh, to that decision, the Wyoming legislature hired experts um, and created a model. uh, And that model was to estimate the costs of education based on historic costs. Uh, In Campbell II, decided in 2001, Wyoming Supreme Court decided that that model was capable of supporting a constitutional educational system. However, it found flaws in that model. Also in 2001, the Supreme Court revisited its decision in Campbell II. This was simply a rehearing of the the opinion in Campbell II. They upheld that opinion, but with regard to state-funded construction of schools, um, they required that the state be responsible for funding the construction of school buildings to a level that was deemed adequate to meet state standards. The court also talked about what had become a a question about the court's ability to make these decisions. The the argument technically was whether the question was a non-justiciable political question that violated the separation of powers between the judicial branch and the uh, legislative branch. And they said, nope, we got this. This is, this is what we do. We declare legislation and legislative schemes unconstitutional. Finally, in Campbell Ford, cited in 2008, the Wyoming Supreme Court found that the legislature had enacted legislation uh, that provided for a model to adequately and equally fund education throughout the state. Um, they focused on the legislature's efforts and good faith Uh, and reasonableness in in crafting this and didn't require precision in everything. In summary, the, the Wyoming Supreme Court has required that the legislature first identify what an adequate education is or an appropriate education is in Wyoming. Second, they determined what that education will cost to deliver to the students of Wyoming. And three, they require that the legislature fund that education system. So
3: here's what to look forward to in the next uh, few months as, as we make our way to the 2021 legislative session. All of the interim work that takes place uh, prior to uh, that session is going on right now. You will hear and probably read about uh, a recalibration committee. For example, we will also be meeting as a, a joint education committee and we have a school facilities committee. The recalibration committee is a committee that is called together every five years in the legislature. It, it is a cost-based formula, and it's very, very complicated how we get to it, but the state funds each of our 48 districts out there based on what it costs to provide what is in that basket of goods or what we expect out of those school districts.
1: So- Just so that we all kind of understand the basket of goods, the basket of goods is what is defined as needing to be included in an adequate education. And so that doesn't just include reading, writing, and math. It includes foreign language, and music, and art, and health, and career technical education. And those are all defined and are required in a public education in Wyoming.
3: Now, what the recalibration committee will do, like every committee in the legislature, uh, they will do their interim work, and then they will come forward with recommendations. And they'll stop at the Appropriations Committee. Uh, The governor will see all of that, and it will be debated in the House and Senate. Now, the Wyoming legislature has always taken the recommendation from those who bring us uh, the expert opinions and the expert Uh, facts and figures. The challenge is an ever-escalating formula that continues to go up. Uh, It's very challenging when the Supreme Court in Wyoming has dictated through those Campbell decisions and through the Washakie decisions that that it must be cost-based and that every student in Wyoming deserves the same kind of education. There is some sentiment in the Wyoming legislature that it might be time for the Supreme Court to take another look at the decisions that were made during the Campbell court decisions. Uh, That's been 20 to 30 years ago. And given given the revenue shortfalls and all the things that Wyoming faces right now, maybe it is time for the legislature to say, we simply cannot sustain the formula that we have and uh, let's take another look at what that means to be cost-based. Now, when you say that, understand that, that sometimes that creates a big headline. Um, none of us like the idea of spending less on our K through 12 students, but there are some realities involved, and, and so that is the reason that I lay that out there. Now, currently, Wyoming um, it has a very well-funded K through 12 uh, education system. you'll hear about the f- the facts and figures of a fifteen or sixteen thousand dollar per student uh, expenditure that we make uh, to fund the districts out there. so so that once the legislature decides uh, where that level is going to be and it will be th- from the result of a lot of debate, once that funding is approved it goes as a block grant to each of those school districts. So whatever that block grant is, it's then turned over to the school district and the superintendents and those local boards can do with it what they see fit in those districts. And I can tell you as a a state legislator for the past 15 years, I can remember when I first started running, I told everyone that I believe in local control. And the reason that most of us do is that we believe Local government is the government that's closest to the people. And so our local school boards, we feel, should know what is more appropriate for a given district. That said, however, sometimes it's kind of hard to hand that great big check over to the school districts out there. The, the unique factor
4: of this is the concept of local control. Once that money gets to that local elected board of trustees for the school district, they are in charge of how it is spent. Uh, And that's where this term local control comes in. So regardless of how much money that uh, model is saying should go to teachers or administrators, it is solely up to that local school district on how they spend it. So a lot of times you're going to see a school district who um, has less teachers than what the model is funding them for, but those teachers are paid at a higher rate than what the model says, so they can be more competitive with teacher salaries. So there really uh, is dissonance between what the model says and what districts are actually doing, and that causes a lot of consternation with policymakers uh, and parents uh, trying to reconcile the differences between what that model is funding and what the district is actually paying for. Uh, We talk about accountability. Uh, there's a big piece of that called school accountability, where every school in the state uh, is subject to a school accountability rating, primarily based on the state assessment test scores. So kids starting in third grade, going all the way through uh, their tenure are taking a state assessment. That state assessment is designed to measure whether students are learning the state standards. The state standards are, um, can be thought of as benchmarks for every grade and every subject. We talked earlier about all the subjects that are in statute in the Common Core of Knowledge and Skills. Those all have state standards associated with them. The state assessment has questions that measure whether the students are learning those state standards in each grade in each subject. And so depending on how your school does on those state tests, is one measure of how well you're delivering that basket of goods to those students.
5: Part of being a classroom teacher is that we are tasked with the responsibility of trying to provide an equitable and adequate education for every student. I think a lot of times people really confuse the word equity and equality. Um, equality being that you know, every child receives the same thing. And in education, We can't function that way because then we're not meeting the needs of the students. So we we really live in the world of equity, and that's giving every kid what they need. Trying to decide then what every kid needs becomes the really hard work of teaching. Um, Part of that comes with um, really talking with students another part of it comes through um, your observations of what they're doing not only um, between you and that student but what you're watching as they interact with their peers the big buzzword of of kind of today is assessment and i am a true believer in assessing students but i want to be very clear on the type of assessment that i'm talking about i'm talking about authentic assessments of what students can do the kind of assessments that are designed to really examine students problem-solving skills their critical thinking skills what they can do not what they can't do teaching in a covid world kind of really made me examine my own teaching practices and how i was assessing students and i'll tell you what when when school shut down in march i don't know If there was any teacher who was truly ready for for that challenge. um, That doesn't mean that teachers across our state didn't rise to that challenge, but I'm not sure that any of us were truly ready. And looking back on how um, I did things, there are about a million things that I would have changed to make it better for kiddos. I think we have a really rare opportunity in our state to to rewrite the narrative for education and to really look at what we're doing and what's working, try to make that better and learn from what didn't work. And part of that is is blending more technology into our day-to-day lives, not because of COVID and that we might be home again teaching online, but because that's a part of the world that our, our kids live in. And so we need to be ready for that and they need to be ready.
3: At the end of the day, education is one piece of, of this big thing that we call quality of life in Wyoming. You know, in some respects, what makes this one different? uh, We've had downturns before. The change is that the fossil fuel industries are just simply not gonna come back to levels that they once were. Think about this. We have people who are moving to our state and we still have capacity issues. So the coal-lease bonus uh, payments that we used to receive Funded all of those new schools out across our state, and all of those major renovations. Uh, and I think you'll hear a lot about that too, because as we consider major budget cuts, what if we have to draw the K through 12 school system back so far that we're maybe not as good as our schools used to be? It's going to be up to all of us to to be leaders in our community and make decisions that that help us get to where we need to be in Wyoming.
1: Well, that gives you a little bit of information to think about before we'll see each other in Laramie. And I just want to leave you with a couple of considerations. First, think about this. When a student graduates from public high school, assuming that they continue continue through 12th grade, they will have spent approximately 17,000 hours in school buildings. Many of those classrooms and school buildings look very much like they would have even a hundred years ago. And I would expect that many of you as parents are now watching your children try to go back to school, sometimes online, sometimes in, in person. So as we think about equity and we think about education, how might equity look different in a time of COVID? And what kinds of divides what might we be needing to think about that are different than they might have been even 6 months ago i'd invite you to really think about the tension between local control and our state aspiration of shared responsibility we all talk a lot about local control we really have in our model a value of shared ownership Consider how schools and education has become a cornerstone and a part of an infrastructure for working families that is not just about the education of their children, but it also is about the feeding of their children. It's about the social-emotional relationships um, that help support families. It's, and how, as we think about the future of education, might we be considering the role of education more broadly in the vitality of our communities.
0: The Leading in Wyoming podcast is brought to you by the Wyoming Community Foundation and the Dragicevich Foundation. Thank you for your support.